What's up, what's up? It's your boy Cam Meekins. This is the Cam Meekins Show, episode number 26, third episode in person. And real quick, I just want to say shout out to the Lamp City fam, everybody that's been tuning in, everyone that's been showing love on the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you share it with a friend, leave a comment, tag us on social media, you know, whatever it is. But I'm in the building with my guy, Jeff Rocaz. What's up, Jeff? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Jeff, singer, songwriter, producer, engineer, freaking man of nature. Uh-huh. That's right. You know, uh, man, one of my good friends, man. It's good to see you, man, after a long a long hiatus a little bit because of the pandemic. Yeah, great to see you, man. I don't even count last year. It's like... Yeah, know, it's, it doesn't really count. 2019 was last year. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how's, how's life been for you? I mean, so, you know, for people who don't know, Jeff's an incredible incredible musician and songwriter written some of the biggest songs out there worked with some of the biggest artists out there from Kehlani to uh, you know I mean who else who, who are some of your favorite people that you've, you've worked with man I mean uh so you know I have a song with Flume uh I was always into his music and yeah. I got to work with him and um uh, a song called Never Be Like You was what we worked on and uh outside of that um, one of my earliest credits was with Lupe Fiasco, who, oh you yeah, know, yeah, big fan of his. Legend, yeah. Um, and then today and uh, this week, mostly, uh, I've been working with Pink Sweats, who's uh, this new like soulful type of artist. I, I don't want to say R and B, but yeah, 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 real creative, plays drums, uh, real fast writer, can sing his ass off, knows what he wants. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, those are my favorite to- type of artists. You know, the ones that like. Uh, it just you know it's like it's almost like they were just born with that idea and like they're just it comes out they're not even like trying to create it they're just like yeah. making it appear it was with them the whole time but yeah yeah you know. well that's what I've I've always loved about working with you man and you know obviously you and I worked together from my first album all the way to my most recent one and you know pretty much everything in between we've we've done so much work together over the years and you know when I first met you I was just so blown away by your just raw musical talent on you know pretty much any instrument that i that i saw you pick up you know and i felt like you allowed me to get my idea out there in a way that i you know couldn't do myself i had the vision in my head and you were able to execute it you know Mm. and so it's so fun working with someone who who you can kind of describe something to and they and they can get that and turn it into music do you feel like that's a lot of the time like the relationship you have with different artists when you're when you're working with them or like is it different on a case-by-case basis like yeah sometimes i have to change brains you know like um yeah exactly i feel the same like working with you was like this breath of fresh air you know i was like we both love that early kanye shit um and we just had fun too i remember it was never really like uh, a forced session you know yep. we would we would yep. just be like all right next and if it was taking too long uh next move you know let's let's, let's go on to else. yeah something brand new because yeah. this is yeah um yeah and then today was one of those situations where we had a couple of producers in the room so it was like uh somebody else is on a drum loop or like you know i, I pulled out a bass guitar or you know maybe it's like i'll do some chords and then he'll sing off of that so it's just like you know, just just keep the ideas fresh. Don't even like try and finish the idea right away. Right. Come back to it. That type of thing. Um, but yeah, my favorite artists, exactly. They don't overthink things. And um, also another method I like doing is just bringing loops in into mm. the room. You know, stuff that I already just like 
pre-recorded or, or whatever um i have a whole library of that get shit. the inspiration going yeah you know, yeah you'll hear easy. something and be mm-hmm. like oh let me yeah what is that or you could just be like yo part of that's cool let's chop it up or let's just let's take those same chords but change the sound or whatever real easy to get the the ideas flowing yeah without, you know stalling speaking of ideas flowing man, what did you bring here you got some uh some goodies for us it looks like dude yeah so we got uh two different types of whiskey here um we have a single malt and we have uh i guess a a bourbon and uh, the difference is the so the jefferson's here this is the bourbon jefferson's is the the blended uh bourbon and this is uh was a green bar it's uh some los angeles okay whiskey. yeah uh the the single malt is going to be made from about 51 percent um malted barley and this would be about 51 percent corn and i just googled that before we, <laughs> so you know i like to sound smart but um yeah this one's pretty crazy so i would you are you let's gonna do it yeah yeah, yeah go ahead it, um yeah. so you've been getting into the whiskey game or are you always i've always i've always kind of been into it yeah. like um and and the scotch as well but um just kind of coming back to it i feel like I, I drank a lot of beer last year yep i was like if we're gonna be drinking more um might as well drink something that's not gonna fuck you up sure you know sure <laughs> beer makes you full so you don't get hard yeah. to drink a lot of beer yeah, yeah 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 so well, cheers dude slower. it's good to see you it's been Yes. Too long. Weird mm. year. This smells great too, by the way. Ooh. I don't know what it is. Yeah. What is that? Got a little bit of like sweetness to it too. It's like a little vanilla. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. You know, I'm I'm a big wine guy. And I'm trying to appreciate the whiskey stuff too, because you know, I feel like there's similarities there in terms of little differences and how the, mm. how it's produced and yeah, absolutely. Because, no, you know, talking about creativity and art, right? Like, that's why I, I got into wine, because I thought it was so cool that I could buy a bottle from 1990 from, you know, Burgundy, France, and somebody 30 years ago was picking that grape. You know what I mean? It's wild when you really think about that. Yeah, it's really cool. And I just I just really got obsessed with that because I'm not, you know, I think like the whole snobby kind of, you know, rich white guy wine thing is like so whack. Mm. But I got really into just the idea of the history behind mm-hmm. behind wine. And uh, it just it just really fascinated me. Then I learned that in the 1940s, there was all this, real complex stuff going on with World War II and and the French wineries and like in Bordeaux, France, right? Where some of the best wine is produced and Mm. some of the oldest uh, like chateaus are, right? A lot of those um, buildings and and those like houses and vineyards and all that stuff got taken over by Germany and they used them as firing ranges Mm. during the war. And Hitler had his guys go in and raid the cellars, and so you can't find, you know, 38, 39, 40 vintages. Like, you can't find them because they took them all, and they drank them, or they got rid of them, or they sold them, or whatever they did. And I always just thought, man, like, there's just so much history here with all this shit, dude. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I've not dove into that yet. It's Um, really interesting, man. And, like, so, you know, when someone's, like, into whiskey or something like that, too, mm. like, I see the similarities there. Like, another one, Alsace is this region right in between france and germany right on the border and now it's part of france but it used to be part of germany and in world war ii they took it over again and they tried to like get it back and 
that region creates like amazing Riesling, mm. but it's literally been a part of Germany. It's been a part of France. It was back to Germany, then back to France. And so it's this weird area right there that's got this like kind of German culture and kind of French culture. And they make this like really amazing dry Riesling. And it's like the wine kind of feels like the vibe. Yeah. That's you wild. Know? I love dry Riesling. Yeah. yeah Me that's, too. That's Riesling, you know, regular Riesling is so sweet. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah, man. You been to some wineries? Yeah, I've been, I've been in Italy. I haven't done Napa, though. Mm. So I've done Napa, uh, recently uh, Temecula. Oh, uh, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of dub wine out there. There's a lot of good shit. Um, and those places are just funny, too. You just watch people get trashed. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You're trying to talk about the history of wine and you know, enjoy it, and you're just watching these people get sloppy. It's, right. It's always the first funny. 30% is like, okay, cool, I'm <laughs> understanding what's going on. Then you're like six glasses deep, mm. and you're like, man, I've tasted a lot of wine today. Same thing when you go to a whiskey bar. They have like the whiskey Bible. Like I always like trying yeah, different yeah. things, and I'll, I'll be talking to the bartender, like, educate me, tell me something about this. And then um, by that third drink, I'm not even listening anymore. I'm just like, cool, sounds <laughs> like, great. This one tastes good too. Yep. Yeah. What do you recommend next? Yeah. Um, and then as far as scotch, I, I like like Oban, um, uh, Belvini is, is, you know, I guess that's standard, but uh, there's all kinds of different little, uh, I don't know, different years and whatnot. Um, what else? I can't even remember. Um, but this Jefferson's one in particular, I've bought that a few times. Mm. Very smooth. So we'll, we'll, we'll sample that. Yeah, we'll next. crack into that one too. Yeah, yeah man. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so I want to get into kind of like uh, maybe just part of your story here, dude. Mm. Like, so, I mean, I guess I met you and we started working on my first album. I feel like that was pretty early on in your LA songwriting kind of career, right? So that was what, like 2012? Mm. Yeah. 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 That was exactly, that was probably right when I got in with, um, I guess the Atlantic people or yeah. APG. Do you always want to be a songwriter? How did it kind of come about? Yeah, that's uh, that was something that I think by the time I was twelve, that's what I realized I wanted to do. Just Damn. something with with songwriting or or performing or whatever. Um, to me, it always kind of went hand in hand anyway. But uh, yeah, that's when I picked up the guitar. So uh, I was already playing piano since I was five. Um, I played saxophone when I was like ten uh started learning how to improvise and you know i was always kind of into jazz and um once i once i really started to understand how you do that and uh you know just make things up uh once i picked up the guitar i was like this is the best instrument because you don't have to learn you know the theory or whatever it's all just like you know patterns and yep. whatnot um and then you know like everybody else is into nirvana and whatnot so that's what made me get into it in the first place. And I was just learning all those songs by ear at that point. Um, and then subsequently just making my own riffs. And then probably when I was 16 was when I started to write my first uh, shitty lyrics. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, I started to rap probably around that age. Um, wasn't really a great singer at that point. So I would work with different friends and whatnot. But yeah, at that point, it was just like straight up like, I wasn't really thinking of a plan B, you know, I was like, this is just, this is what I'm going to do and, uh, I'll figure it out. You know, there's, that's, I love that too. I guess that's why I do all those different, uh, wear all those different hats and whatnot is because right. like growing up where I, I grew up, I wasn't really getting a chance to collaborate with, with people who could like, I wasn't like in 
like different bands or whatever. Most people that were in bands were like into music I wasn't really feeling. I mean, it was whatever. I, I like everything, but they might have been just trying to make punk music. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm trying to make like more melodic this and that and uh, trying to make beats. And uh, even back then, I didn't have any digital shit. I was making yeah. shit on tape and then like bouncing it over and over again on So how were you even tape. doing that? Like Yeah, like using a four-track uh, Tascam recorder. Yeah. Um, I had like a reel-to-reel. Like my old piano teacher gave it to me. It like sometimes worked. Yep. <laughs> and like, yeah, I would just link the two and like bounce the tape to another tape and, and back and forth. And um, eventually you would have this amazing quality of in the background you know <laughs> so i love that yeah thing. yeah yeah it's it's kind of funny to like think about that but it, like in a certain way it trained me to um to record and get things right and try and get the best take and because i went through all that painstaking yeah right. bullshit of like you know oh damn sometimes i didn't even have a click you know what i mean so i was like yeah yeah just going off a of feel yeah going which off i of i mean you know i, I kind of see that in your in your music though dude mm. like you are a very feel based yeah musician and that's why that the jazz influence and all that stuff i feel like you know it's just it, it seems like it comes natural to you right right uh yeah a lot of a lot of work went into that i guess i at, guess at a yeah. younger age right yeah trying to figure the shit out so you were a teenager you were getting into it mm-hmm. you were in ohio mm-hmm. cleveland yeah you were in cleveland and what was the i mean was there a you know i know you're saying you know the kids were kind of doing different stuff like was there any type of scene that you were tapping into there or was it really you were in high school and you were like, how do I figure this out? Yeah, not so much for me. Um, I think there was a big metal scene, um, but I wasn't really going out like my one of my older brothers was. He was he was going out all the time, but I was uh, spending my time if I wasn't with my friends, just like literally lo- locking myself away and trying to, you know, learn how to do the things that I was listening to. Um, you know, how like how do how do I like how do I layer a guitar like this? Or how do I, you know, make a, a song that is three minutes long and doesn't bore people, you know? Yep. I guess essentially just the, the basic steps of learning how to make a song, you know, or a commercial song rather. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was listening to a lot of Pink Floyd and Zeppelin in, in high school. So, you know, my early recordings were probably eight minute songs and, you just know, epic shit. Yeah. Like jams and shit. Yeah. I recently uh, listened to some of that, um, just found some of the, the secret tapes and was like, damn, I'm bored. <laughs> like back, back then it was cool. I was getting right. stoned and like, you know, enjoying it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, took a lot of that to, to evolve to the next, the next phase, I guess. Well, I think when you have that experience of kind of doing the more out there stuff, mm. then you can, you can take a step back and kind of make it concise and make it more consumer approachable, which is, you know, what you do from a kind of business standpoint i guess when you think of the business of songwriting right like you guys are going in there and you know you want to write something that's that's unique and amazing but also you know catchy and and fits the mold of of the artist that you're working with or whatever type of you know it's got to speak to other people besides yourself right yeah right right i was also revisiting it because i was trying to see if i could sample anything but not yeah yeah (laughs) non-sampleable yeah well shit must have been out there (laughs) a little bit i've heard you flip some crazy shit yeah. Um, so did you at that point think, all right, I'm just going to figure this out? Or were you, were you feeling pressure to go to college? Because you say you didn't have a backup plan. Right. Yeah. There was, um, 
Yeah, there was, you know, it's the Midwest, so it, it was looked at as like impractical. Like, what to, are you doing? To do like, this. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, my dad had a trucking company growing up, so um, I think he was always hoping that one of his sons would take it over. Mm-hmm. And I was the last son, so I felt like this slight pressure, but I was just like, I was watching how miserable he was. Like, yeah. it's such a hard company to run. And I was like, why would I want to do that? No, no, no. But yeah, so I, I uh, yeah, a, a little pressure to, to go to college and whatnot. And I did. I, you know, I got a business degree or a music business degree um, uh, over in Boston. Yes, so, sir. Yeah. So did you, you went to Berkeley? I went to Berkeley, yeah. So did you uh, audition through an instrument? So when I went there, you didn't have to audition at that point. Gotcha. Um, I don't know when they changed that. Yeah, because Pro- I, I applied to Berkeley and got in, but mm. I didn't end up going, but I auditioned voice. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, shit. But I yeah. remember that like they had you had to audition. Okay. Yeah, I don't know when they flipped that, but um, I did audition for like a, a scholarship or something. Gotcha. Went, went out to Chicago for that. Um, yeah. yeah. It was like the first time I, I, I went on an airplane, too, because my family didn't take vacations. So, yeah. like, you know... It was like flew out to Chicago, audition, played like jazz piano. Yeah, so I, I did piano. Okay, because I was like, that's what I started on, so I might as well do this. Right. Plus, I heard everybody that goes there plays guitar, and that turned out to be true. So. Yep. But yeah, you know, it was a it was John a, Mayer shit. Yeah, exactly. It was a unique experience for me because um, just meeting people from all over the world that are also badass at what they do, and like you know, you're just like. Again, I didn't. I didn't get to see much of that um, growing up where I did. So yeah, it was just so inspiring. Next thing you know, I'm like making fucking industrial music with this kid that like loves Nine Inch Nails and Tool, and then like, you know, I'm in some funk jazz group, and I'm like, dude, I've never even been in a group like this before, yeah. you know. So that shit was uh, setting up on Newbury Street, putting a fucking hat on the ground. Oh just yeah, fucking I actually, jamming, dude. I actually didn't do that, but I, I, I a lot did. of Berkeley kids were doing that. Sure, I, feel like. I played the subways though. There you my, go. My my whole philosophy was like if the you, T. Yeah, yeah, the T. That's right. I was on the red line. Like was that Park Street? Like yeah. the, the red and the green yep. meet and yeah. So my my whole thing was like, you know, if you can learn to perform in a slightly uncomfortable place where it's random, you don't know who's going to be there. And you get people to throw a couple of dollars here and there, then, you know, that's, it's just, it's just good practice to like get out of your comfort zone, you know? So absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, when I was living in New York, dude, there would be every once in a while, you'd go through some subway station or something and there would be some incredible stuff happening. And like, it's very rare. I feel like with the subway performances stuff that that happens, but every once in a while, someone will be doing something really incredible mm. and it's just crazy how it just makes everybody down there just be like, whoa, wait, let's take a moment and like enjoy this. Mm. And again, like, you know, and, and that was New York. Like that doesn't happen a lot, but it'll happen sometimes if the music, if the level is 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 there, mm. right, of skill. And that's so cool, man. That's such a like human moment. And that's what's so great about music and performing and all that stuff, right? Like there's something that that hits our brain that's like, we like this. Yeah. Yeah. So did you feel like being at Berkeley, you built a lot of relationships or actually really like honed your technical skill through like the education that you were getting? Like what, what did the education do for you? Yeah. So, uh, I think a lot of it was, uh, amazing for me just learning by working with different people. I had this badass roommate, um, 
His name was Tim Williams. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. I'm sorry. He was this bass player from Milwaukee uh, who was also a producer. So, like, it was the first time I did beats on an MPC because he was cool as shit. He'd be like, you can use all my stuff, you know. And we would uh, collaborate. And he was, like, telling me how he was, like, turning down tours to go out with Janet Jackson. And, and I'm, like, looking at him like, okay, he's not bullshitting me. But this is, like, the first time I knew somebody like that. Yeah. So I was just like, that's fucking unreal. And then, like, you know... He was like, he had connections with Babyface and all this shit. And he was like telling me he was shopping our beats to, to him. And I was like, dude, that's, that's unreal. So um, I learned a lot by working with people like him. And then as far as the education, like the classes and all that, um, you know, not to be all talking about myself here, but I, I, t- I tested out of a lot of shit, you know, because I, I was like, I already knew that ear training, that harmony shit. And I was like, luckily, I didn't. I didn't have to take more than one class. So if you already knew something, you could just get a pass on it. Just yeah, by you still have to the take test. one class. I think they gotcha. make you. They make you do one semester of, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I got out of all that, and then it was basically just straight to, uh, okay, why am I here? You know, so I was like, my am, am I trying to do that songwriting uh, major or whatever, uh, which I hear has actually gotten a lot better. But back then, I, I didn't. I didn't fuck with it. I was like, I was just too rebellious. Uh, you know, going back to that eight minute song shit that yeah. I was right. Yeah, yeah. I was just like not really feeling like people telling me how to uh how to write a song and grade me on it. I was like, nah. So I uh I was trying to just learn production. Um I didn't get into that because they were like limited at that point. You could only they, they only had space for enough people. You had to like write an essay and all this shit. Yeah. And I basically went in there like, I wanna be an artist who knows how to produce him on self his own self. And they were like, No, we're looking for people who are trying to be a sound engineer, producer for other people. And I probably just didn't present myself as uh, yeah, right. that, you know? So uh, I didn't get into that major, but uh, I chose business. I was like, well, this is might as well learn what the fuck is going on and how people are going to try and fuck you in this business. So, well, yeah, that's a good education to get in this yeah. industry for sure. <laughs> yeah. I sat in those classes and I would be like super depressed. I'd be like, Whoa, you know, like yeah. now what? <laughs> right. How do I navigate this shit? Well, that's that's the thing that I think a lot of people from the outside looking in don't necessarily understand about the music industry is, is like the business aspect of it is is kind of complicated because the the money really is it, it's plentiful, but it's it's really only divided up amongst like a small group of, mm. of the industry, you yeah. know. And there's a lot of people like writers and producers and the creatives of the industry who maybe don't have the business understanding who get taken advantage of because they they're in it for the right intentions. They just want to create and, you know, build relationships and make great music. And I think are maybe thinking that that alone will then create the success and, and people will do right by them just because they're, you know, doing things the right way. Right. And unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of kind of, management companies or you know smaller you know music labels or different things in this industry that that are very advantageous to to creatives you know and and songwriters too i feel like yeah it's a zero-sum game um it's uh unfortunately as somebody i was recently talking to an a and r they put it like you know not everybody knows the rules what are the rules you know and then it's also like you know like his his metaphor was like well some people beat their kids so you know then 
that's because they were beaten, you know, right. like, and I was like, okay, that's a little harsh, but I know yeah. where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah, it's true though. Cause I've, I've been in situations where like, there'd be a punk ass producer, just a lot younger than me trying to like, you know, just take this ridiculous cut out of a song where I'm just like, yo, you just like added a kick and you changed the snare that I put in and you're trying to get all this credit and all this, but, but you didn't play those chords. You didn't play that yeah. instrument. You didn't like, you know, use that vocal sample. And then, you know, there's all kinds of games that people play. And, uh, it unfortunately gets really weird too. Like, um, after the fact, like, you know, like a song can come out like a year or two later after you did that session. And then all of a sudden it's like people got amnesia or like, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, you wrote that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> everything gets blurred and like, yeah. you know, they try and like, they might try and get you to uh, agree to something and think that you're not going to remember. But um, yeah, uh, outside of that, you know, collaborating is, is key too, you know? Mm. So it's like, it's, it's a type of industry where, you know, you feel like it's very competitive. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to win. Everybody's trying to win, but you all need each other at the same time. And like you mentioned, you know, people trying to do it just for the love of music, just trying to make quality shit. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize how much you have to really focus on making sure that business is like on point before, yeah. you know, yeah, it gets, it gets crazy for real. Yeah. So you're finishing up college mm. and did you, did you drop out or did you, did you complete school? I'm one of those rare ones that, that finished. Um, Good for yeah. you. Cause a lot of Berkeley people drop out. I, I feel like the majority. Yeah. yeah I, I don't even know what number uh to use but it's it's got to be like seven percent or something maybe higher yeah 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 and i think a lot of people do go on to do great things from that sure too right oh yeah you know i i've always felt growing up in boston that it's like you know it's a it's a it's one or the other you know either you're gonna propel and do great things or it was just a fucking waste of money Mm, (laughs) you know mm. and that's like that's the thing with music education on at a college level when it's so expensive it's just like you know i think some sometimes there are you know people that go down not as much with berkeley but maybe something like a full sale or you know uh one of these kind of you know private colleges that are you know like these music technology colleges right Mm. it almost feels like scammy to me sometimes Mm, for sure you know where it's like, oh, well, you know, we can give you all the answers and all the connections and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, being marketed towards people who maybe, you know, weren't going to go to college to begin with. And now they're looking at it like, oh, well, this is my opportunity to like, you know, study something I'm interested in. And it's kind of like a ITT tech kind of situation, you yeah. know, but uh, not as much Berkeley, though, man. I think obviously, you know, there's a lot of incredible music coming out of that that school, but. It's expensive, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only gotten worse. Right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Again, for someone like me, you know, it was uh, it was life-changing. Um, I met a lot of people that were like, you know, from New York, from L.A., or from Boston, or whatever. And I looked at them kind of like, why are you here? You know, like, yeah. you're already kind of connected. Your dad's already a fucking, you know, he plays yeah. for Wings or, you know, whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Because your kid come from Cleveland. Yeah, this was you know, necessary in a sense Your parents aren't working in the fucking industry. Yeah. You don't know anybody. Berkeley, yeah. for you, is your ticket into the game. 
Yeah. Yeah. In, the, in a certain sense. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, it was like, um, it was like a step ladder, you yeah. know? And then it was like, okay, now let's get out of Boston. Yeah. Great so, place, by the way. So yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate that, man. Boston's the best, but so you finished Berkeley and you said, I'm gonna pack the car and go to LA or? No, I stuck around for a minute and was trying to figure out if I was going to New York or LA. Um, I needed to save money. So I was doing everything from like playing jazz piano at like the Lenox Hotel. Oh yeah. Uh, is that Boylston Street? Um, and then, you know, various other gigs like that. Uh, I was also a Boston pedicab, uh, driver. Wow. Back, back before, like, I don't know if they still have them, but like there was a time, like, I think right after I left that they actually merged with a, a, a taxi company. And if, if nobody knows what I'm talking about, it's basically just like, like a rickshaw type of thing. Yeah. And we would just take That's people. A hard job. Oh, man. it was the best fucking job. It's been in good shape. So much. Yeah. Well, you get in shape for sure. You get that cardio. You drink a lot of Gatorade. It's um, you're basically taking people to the to Fenway Park. That's yeah. that's where the business is, you know, or or or, or the drunks coming out of the the, the ballpark. Yeah. You're taking them to the the tea or whatever. But um, yeah, you meet some hilarious people, um, and you you go up and down certain hills, and you learn which hills to avoid because that that's a hilly ass fucking city. It is. Um. But yeah, I was in great shape. I I love that gig. And you make most you made most of your money off of tips. So then eventually I think they they merged with a a taxi company. I don't know which one cuz there was like a bunch over there. And uh then then all of a sudden you you weren't allowed to drive on the sidewalks and do all the shit that we were doing, like little yeah. shortcuts and whatnot. Yeah. I remember my first night came doing that corporate. Shit. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. that's when I got the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done with this. Yep. Yeah. Petty cabs just oh, upsold man. to the man. First night, I almost got fired too, because like I almost like hit some like Mercedes or something. I came real close, and this yeah. lady came like running out, like you know, just talking shit to me. And she's like, then she ended up calling them and telling me that I was like fucking her car up. Right, not true. And then like I remember I was taking like three dudes to like a strip club, and like I didn't even have the strength to do that. One of them had to get out and push me a little bit. And then we had our walkie-talkies, and this one dude's like, he's like, yo, uh, Jeffro, you can't take more than two adult males. Like, <laughs> not, I'm not saying that you can't. I mean, clearly you cannot, but... That's the rule. It's, it's against the policy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a fun gig. Got, yeah. a lot of, got into a lot of trouble, for sure. Yeah, man. That's crazy, man. How long did you do that gig for? I feel that was like... Yeah, probably like a year and a half because you don't do it during the winter time, of course. Yeah, right. But, um, so probably like two two summers and like also spring. I mean, that's dedication to I think go through a season of doing that and then to say I'm gonna come back and do it again. Oh yeah, I was actually really looking forward. to You it. were into it. Oh at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the people working there were hilarious too. They're so into bikes and shit. Yeah, you seem like a dude who's just kind of into whatever experience you're having in that moment like you're a present person yeah i try to be i try and focus on the now yeah <laughs> it's not easy um i don't think anybody can do that all the time sure but right now i am yeah <laughs> <laughs> right now in this moment yeah um so you by the way, I'm, it's time to transition for me. How, oh, yeah. How are you feeling? I got a little bit left, so yeah, yeah to start with the Jefferson. Yeah. This one's good. I don't, I don't, um, 
I'm not really sure why it's named after Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, interesting. He was a big wine guy, too. Was he? Also a piece of shit. Yeah, he was a slave owner, I believe. Yeah. I do kind of feel bad drinking this sometimes, but I don't think that they're actually affiliated with him or the family. But um, anyway, prove me wrong. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Google. Um, Yeah, man. So... That's it. That that's a uh, that's funny about the pedicab thing, though, dude. I mean, those things. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I remember back in the day, like I was like, okay, so once it got closer, I was like, I'm gonna move to L.A. because New York just seemed like it was not really having the same opportunity, or or just seemed harder. I was like, I'd rather struggle, you know, close to the beach. Um, yeah, I think at this at this point too, I feel like the music industry in New York was already declining. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're basically like at that point where the la- the last people that were hanging in New York doing the hustle, they're out here now. Yeah, yeah, right. right. But uh, yeah, I remember I was like, oh, are, are there pedicabs in like Santa Monica? Can I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I? Because you know, it's like I'm like, how am I gonna make money when I get out there? Right. Yeah. So what did you do? You came out here to L.A. Did you have a plan? Well, um, luckily I I. I uh, I knew a, a handful of people, so it's not like a lot of people that come out here don't know anybody. And, and is that uh, just through Berkeley, like the people you met a couple, through Berkeley? A couple or? through Berkeley, a couple through um, uh, family connections, mm-hmm. and and uh, so I visited LA twice. And uh, my second time, <clears throat> I came out and I, I realized I had uh, some second cousins who live in a place called Sherman Oaks. Hey, <laughs> and um, I came out. Uh, for like probably three or four days with the plans of like just networking my ass off met met some producers i don't know if you're familiar with l varner but I, I met her dad jimmy varner who's like a producer okay um she's an r&b singer and uh so anyway i met up with him and we just like kicked it in like van nuys and like you know he's just trying to explain to me like what he does out here and i was like oh this is great i can't move i can't wait to move to la like i want to i want to have this lifestyle and then that was the first time I smoked uh, medical weed because it was only uh, medicinal at that point. Right. Um, got blazed off of like a bong rip or two and then met my family. And uh, that was hilarious. But that was you like, were just baked out of your fucking Yeah, I was mind. pretty baked. I don't think they could tell. I kept it At together, that time so. too, man, there is a big difference. Way big difference. LA weed Oof. and what whatever the fuck you were smoking on Boylston Street mm. in Boston. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just like, I remember like just seeing that, seeing my family and being like, yo, this is this real? Like, you know. Right. Are we actually family? Like, like second like, cousin? I don't, I don't see any resemblance here. Yeah. But yeah, uh, one of my cousins was cool as fuck. I mean, I still hang with them. And, and he was, uh, he actually came back to their spot like right when I was about to leave. And he was just like, what up cuz he's like you want to go grab a beer and i was like yo i can't wait to come to la it was like it just felt so welcoming everybody's just fucking chilling out. so chill yeah yeah Yeah. um so it is very different than boston in terms of the mentality of people out here yeah you know in boston and new york east coast whatever it's like oh dude what the fuck you know could be a little traffic Mm. aggressive out here it's a little bit more chill people are fucking crazy out here but the the day-to-day interactions are chill Mm. yeah there there there's craziness anywhere but out here um yeah especially on the road like you have yeah (laughs) i mean that's obvious if you live in la 
you see this as soon as you come here. Like, yeah. you know, first two minutes you're on the road, you, you're going to see something crazy For on average. Sure. On average. <laughs> and people drive so emotionally, too. Like, you, you know, I've seen people, like, you know, get cut off on the 101 freeway and, like, motherfucker who got cut off is like, no. Just, like, accelerates and gets in front of that person. Just brake checks them. Oh, you know, yeah. it's like really <laughs> i'm not getting into it i'm not getting into it out here in la like i don't know what these people are gonna do you know what i'm saying like mm. you don't know if someone's just like having a bad day or they're gonna fucking kill you on the road because they're psycho <laughs> like i pulled out of my driveway the other day and this dude was probably a thousand feet away from me nowhere close to me so i pulled out you know he was driving down the road but i had more than enough room to pull out before he was going to be anywhere close to me. And so I just kind of pulled out ahead and started driving. And that pissed the guy off because he thinks I should have waited for him, right. even though he was a thousand feet away. And he starts like chasing my car. <laughs> and I get to the stop sign over here. He comes around my car, right? And then I, I pull it right. I'm on another road, still following me, still behind me, kind of like, I mean, it was nuts, bro. And so I'm in like fight or flight mode at this point. And I'm like, you know, driving like I'm fucking too fast, too furious, just going crazy. And I get to the light and there was a car waiting at the light in front of me. So I pull up on the right side of that car on this little kind of like, you know, side lane. And this guy gets to the left of both of our cars, pulls around front on a main street, like a main road, and like blocks the two of our cars, rolls down a window and starts throwing an egg at my car. Oh my God. And I'm like, what did I even do, dude? He was just looking for someone, I think, to throw an egg at. Yeah, he had the egg ready. <sighs> and it was like some mental illness oh, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You know, which is what you get out here, I think. Well, you get it you get it uh in higher frequencies out here. Yeah. More often right. for sure. I live downtown and <laughs> yeah. damn, it's uh it's it's hard not to be depressed every single day. Luckily, yeah. luckily I live in a little neighborhood that's like a little more isolated from that from, you know, looking left and right crackheads every single morning yeah it's intense well you know i got a knife pulled on me one time going to your that's house. right and we'd Dude. love to have you back <laughs> not saying that you know it's a it's a, your, your place is great it's a great area but i did get a knife pulled on me trying to buy some beers down the street <laughs> you know? where did that dude come from was he under the bridge or yeah for sure yeah, i was walking up the bridge you know and i was with uh, my boy kyle beats shouts out and man i Talk about uh, being in fucking shape like the pedicab thing. I mean, we ran faster than I knew was possible to fucking run for myself. Right. Um, we're walking up this hill, and this dude, he had a mask on, and this was way before the pandemic. And uh, he's starting to get closer and closer. So I look at Kyle. We kind of just unspoken, just both knew, like, oh, this dude's going to try and rob us right now. And so he gets, you know, within a couple feet of us, pulls out a knife. He's like, what do you got? And we just look at each other and just sprint and we're just, we're out. Um, but yeah, man, run from a knife, charge a gun. You know, that's yeah. what I always heard. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. But I mean, has it felt like it's gotten even crazier in the last year down there? Or? Uh, yeah, it, um, it was really weird. It was like during the beginning of the pandemic, um, that I feel that they were, the Skid Row area, which is, you know, kind of like the epicenter of Tent City, all, yeah. the, all, all these people on the street. It's it's uh, it's super sad. Um, it kind of seemed like it was 
being cleaned up or or just less people around. It had the appearance of that. And I think they were actually putting people in into hotels for like a couple of months. Um, and then after we started to realize like this COVID shit's not killing everybody like we thought it was going to, then people came back. And then all of a sudden it seems like the 10 cities are, are, are just expanding even more. So unfortunately, um, it feels like it's kind of gone backwards. It was, yeah. it was, it was sort of developing for a minute. A lot of businesses were opening. I feel like 80% of them are done now because they didn't really have the realist, like restaurants, a lot of them downtown don't have like a, you know, they're, they're right off the sidewalk. So they can't just like do an outdoor seating thing to survive. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that being said, you got like apartment buildings, giving out pandemic deals and then that's great and it's not so great because it's attracting different people Mm. and what i mean by that is uh desperate fucking crazy uh drug addicts and all that stuff and i have some of that pretty near to where i live i can see it yeah yeah but um you know it's uh that's la right there it's uh it's kind of strange that like they have this you keep hearing about like this huge budget to to curb the homeless problem and or you know i I don't even know how it's being spent or or you know what's being allocated it's um it's really sad it is really sad man because you would think that in a place where we have so much economic prosperity we wouldn't have like a third world country Mm. type of situation going on right here in our downtown area right Mm. and you're right i mean where is the resources you know where are the resources going yeah right and when the pandemic happened too then they said any any tents are not going to get taken down you know they basically put all those rules aside in terms of you know the camping aspect so before it was you couldn't really like pitch a tent it kind of had to be more of a makeshift kind of thing and like you couldn't have more of like a long-term setup. And now that's out the window. Mm. You can set up shop anywhere in the city with a full kind of camping setup mm. and that's your kind of domicile mm-hmm. and you kind of have a right to be there then at that point. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but it does feel like it's gotten it's gone backwards. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is. I, I would think that like with all this desert land that's sort of nearby. Yeah. And this so-called money for homelessness that right. we have. Can't they just like create something that's like, you know, I don't know, just housing that's like a little bit. They're, they're protected from other, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people on the streets are just being attacked. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's uh, by others that are also homeless or just right. by who knows. No, it's not a good situ- situation all around yeah, for anybody. It's not a good mm. situation for someone on Skid Row. Mm. It's not a good situation for the businesses in that mm. area. It's not it's a good situation for the residents who are living in the apartment buildings. It's a it's a lose lose all around. There's yeah. got to be something more that we can do, especially if we're going to all pay taxes, which I think a lot of us are glad to do, right? But we want to see it being used for things that are going to make a meaningful difference. Right. And I feel like a lot of people out here feel like that's not happening. Mm. And it's it's confusing as to why, because, you know, you're paying 13% tax in this in this state on the high side. Yeah. 
you know? Um, and other states don't have that, that mm. problem, that don't have taxes. And so I feel like that's why you see are seeing a lot of people, and it's definitely more conservative-minded people mm. that are leaving and claiming these things. So it's not all completely black and white like that. It's mm. not right. necessarily exactly like that. But I do think that, you know, there's, you know, there's just, it's just kind of confusing, you know? from the the way that the the state government seems to be run right mm. now in California. Yeah. You know. Um in particular with that issue. And I think what it is too is like on the housing thing. They're they're just incentivized to build housing to like reach their numbers but not necessarily do it in a meaningful way that's that's actually going to enact change. Right. You know, and so I, I listened to this like daily podcast a while ago that talked about basically this kind of racket that's going on where the, like the state of California is building up all these uh, affordable housing units in like the middle of, of the state. Mm. And it's in these like, you know, completely uh, wildfire rich zones. So these houses are getting built up in these areas where nobody even lives and they're doing it so that they can meet you know, X amount of numbers, you know, 400,000 houses a year so that they can get the federal subsidy and the federal mm. money right. for meeting their, their numbers, right? And then the houses are getting burned down in wildfires and then they just do it all over again. Mm -hmm. But it's stopping now because the insurance companies are saying, we're not going to insure these houses anymore. They keep just catching on fire. And, you know, so it's just like shit like that. You just hear like random shit like mm. that that's just just shows kind of the, you know, inadequacy of, you know, how we're, we're governing right yeah, it's now. Yeah, so complex, all the yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, yeah. It's, you know, it, it sucks because downtown's fucking awesome, dude. Like, you're like you're talking about the restaurant scene. Like, my boy Sammy Monsoor owned, owned a couple of restaurants downtown and during the pandemic had to shut both of them down. Prue and Proper over oh, there. Oh, I know that place. Yeah. Damn. It was a sick fucking spot. Fuck. And that's gone. Great spot. Yeah. Damn. That's super unfortunate. Yeah. It's and it's beautiful too. Like right. the architecture, all that shit. It's um it's so cool to have like a city dynamic in LA. Mm. Right. You know? And I think there's a lot of potential there. Mm. But but yeah, man. It's it's just, at the end of the day though, what you said is right. It's just sad all around because we're all human beings, man. And I think people that are in those situations down there are just, you know, they probably didn't have any type of support system from family or friends or anything like that, dealing with mental health issues, dealing yeah. with addiction issues. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've lived down in that area for like about six years. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally I'll talk to people and, you know buy them some some food whatever right. and i'll listen to them uh you know and it's it's always a different story some people are definitely con artists but i feel like most of the people especially these days are really just down on their luck for many different reasons lost all their family whatever it could have been like it could have been like a house fire it could have been all right. this shit. they could have been coming from another state you know like they just ended up in california for some other reason lost their job and like literally had nothing else 
saved up, you know, and then the pandemic was the final thing. Yeah. You know, we start seeing people that are young too, more often uh, since 2020 as yeah. well. So like young as in like young, young as young? in 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yup. Yeah, man. It's a complex thing, man. And, you know, I, I just hope that we'll just, I, I think there's a lot of attention on it right mm. now, oh, sure. which is a good thing. More nationwide attention. Yeah, there's nationwide attention. The dialogue is happening because it's true, man. Like it's just, and this isn't like a. I'm not like I'm not a conservative guy. I'm a very like progressive, you know, like liberal-minded guy. I just hate to see, you know, uh, it feel like it's unclear where like the resources are going mm. when we feel like California is a great state. You know, it seems like it should be like well governed. We should be able to like fix these issues that we have, you know. And I've lived in California now for like four years, and I, I I'm starting to feel the community aspect of it, of like you know caring about the community that I live in, and you know kind of just just wanting to 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 see some you know positive change. And I feel like a lot of the narrative has been very negative in the last year there's been a lot of like negative talk about california and that's too mm. bad because it's the fucking most awesome state yeah it's so great it's one of the best economies in the world like it's it's like the than, top 10 yeah economy top 10 or 10 out of, of any countries mm. as its own state and like this broken government i guess right you know it's right. just yeah and i i just think what it is it's it's not a democrat thing it's not a republican thing it's just like it's a people thing you know mm. at the end of the day it's, it's kind of like the music industry. It's a good kind of uh, analogy. You know, somebody told me in the music industry, it's not what label you're working with. It's not, you know, what publishing company you're with. It's who you're with at that label mm. or who you're working with, mm -hmm. you know, in that system, yep. right? Because there's a difference between, you know, Joe over here and Mike over here and, you know, some someone over here. Like, it's not about the kind of name of the company or the organization it's about like the individual and i think that's kind of what we're seeing in california it's like you know it's the individual's responsibility out here whoever's you know in in the state government uh, dealing with this stuff you know yeah so i don't know we'll see where it goes i guess but back to the music thing a little bit so we just went on that crazy side tangent there that's what happens though i mean that's what happens that's when you live out here you know right <laughs> you right. see it all the time <laughs> yeah no i mean it's it's fresh on your mind all yeah. the time mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic because you mm. just can clearly see how much worse it's gotten and it's just like you know like what you said just super sad um there was no traffic in 2020 though i will say that's that true. was fucking amazing just going yeah. going in the car just you know like I need to get the fuck out of my house. I'm going to go check out some nature. Right. And 20 minutes later, I'm like in a spot that used to be two hours late. Right. You know? Yeah. When the traffic came back. <laughs> when that traffic came back. <laughs> <laughs> I said that so emphatically. Like, that's when I started to feel like, okay, we're getting, we're getting toward the other side of this thing a little bit. When you start seeing lines to get into restaurants and yeah. bars again, you're like, yep, there's that Los mm -hmm. Angeles I used to know. Right. So coming back to your story, I'm liking how we're interweaving your story with all this, this uh, good uh, anecdotal <laughs> convo. Um, you get to LA. Mm. 
and you've got some family connections out here, you're feeling like this is the place that you want to be. Right. And so how did you turn that excitement into the career that you ended up having? Okay, so so in order to stay on my feet, I was doing some similar things. No no pedicab, but I was uh I was playing at like the the Beverly Hilton, playing jazz piano, yeah. doing doing things that like to me was I just call them money gigs. Yep. You know, I get paid to practice or yep. whatever. Um I was teaching music. I was like that's easy. You can you can get a bunch of students and show them what you know. Um and then just recording gigs, you know. Uh, I was like trying to get into like what whatever I could I could land uh, as far as like I was like searching Craigslist like three times a day, you know, looking for people that just needed a session musician or or who just wanted to collaborate. Um and uh yeah, eventually like, you know, I had like a couple different bands, you know, started taking my songwriting out, playing gigs, playing shows, you know, on the Sunset Strip, uh whatever in the valley, you know, good gigs, bad gigs, all that stuff, trying to figure out how this city works. And uh, through all that and um, just networking, going to jam sessions, all that, you know, just literally sitting in on keys or guitar um, or singing, you know, with different bands, doing cover songs, all that shit. Um, Eventually, I just realized, I was like, you know what, clearly I can do this shit. I I can make songs. I can... I can produce records. I can I can do this. I just need to figure out, you know, the the right people or whatever, like you were saying. Um, and for me, it was a little like I didn't I didn't go about it like the way other people did. Like you know, I, people were like following people on Twitter or or eventually Instagram and or just cold emailing. Um, uh, I had a couple uh, connections through like you know a bass player from Lincoln Park, who funny enough grew up in Cleveland, but I didn't know him. Uh, he was like my mentor, uh, shout out to Scott Kojal and, and he, uh, he, uh, ended up like just hooking me up with like kind of like an agent that, uh, put me on auditions for, you know, going on the road for artists like, you know, pink or Kesha, uh, just like road gigs, not necessarily things I wanted to do, but, um, I was the only motherfucker showing up to those auditions almost every time with like fucking square pockets. What I mean by that is like I had CDs of my demo. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, this is so awkward, but like, you know, could have put them in my guitar case looking back at it. But <laughs> um, I, I, I just like bring my demo and like think that like maybe I'll meet a producer and occasionally I did or like a manager or something like, you know, met like Randy Jackson at a yeah. couple of these auditions, you know, people like that and just be like, yo, Give me a chance. Um, Sorry, dog. It's a no for me. <laughs> he didn't say that, but he 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 did leave the room because he had a phone call. He yeah. might have been faking it. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, just eventually met some A and R's that way, um, doing these auditions and basically practicing how to audition. You know, which is yeah. a fucking art. Um, and uh, this agent, his name was uh, Barry Squire. You probably know him if you if you're out here in L.A. doing the hustle. Um, he 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 listened to my music and, and he was always like, I'd be out in like a guitar audition or some shit for, you know, one of those artists. And like, he'd be like, Oh, and Jeffro raps too. rap for them, Jeffro. And I, I'd be like, I, I don't understand how this is relevant, but, uh, you know, I'd be like, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. And yeah. I'd spit a little something. And, um, 
eventually this guy Barry hooked it up for um, people over at Atlantic Records that were looking for a fucking, you know, somebody who plays this, plays that, sings, writes, uh, performs, um, can learn a song by listening to it, uh, and produces. And I was just like, I got that email one day. Uh, funny enough, during dark times in L.A., my third year. And uh, I went out for that audition. It was an audition to, like, just basically, like, play beats and, like, you know, show off in different ways for some A&Rs over at Atlantic. And that's kind of, like, what brought me to the next arena. And uh, it was funny, too, because I was, like, in this situation where I was around, like, um, some producer and a manager who wanted to, like, signed me as an artist but they wanted me to be like this pop singer and i was like number one i don't feel like i got the chops like to be justin timberlake i don't really dance <laughs> yeah. like him i'm working on it but i was just like it, it didn't feel like my shit and i i gave myself a three-year limit when i came out to la i was like if i don't have like an artist deal or a production deal or whatever the fuck something publishing by year three like you know fuck <laughs> What were you gonna do at that point? Well, I didn't. I didn't really. Still didn't have the plan B. But I, you I just. I was just. You like, wanted to make it happen. At yeah, that time yeah. Frame. And by by year two and a half, I started to panic a little bit. Yeah. I always I always panic early. Still to this day, I'm like I'm like, <laughs> calm down. You still got money in your bank account. It'll be right. all right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. No, I ended up. Uh, I remember it was like I moved to a new apartment. I kept having all these fucking crazy roommates. After like I broke up with my girlfriend, she moved out, and like. I was like, well, fuck, it's getting hard to pay this rent by myself. Yeah. So, um, kind of then, a, a, a down and out kind of point almost. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of bad things. Um, a, lot of, a lot of uncomfortable shit. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up going to South by Southwest. Um, drove out there. Uh, I had a friend that was supposed to come. Just bailed last minute. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going anyway. So I, I brought my, uh, I brought like a PA um, a generator just bought a generator and I was like, I'm just going to set up on the streets in Austin and, and play and, um, play my music. Fuck that manager that wants me to do pop and all this shit, you know? And, uh, it was cool as fuck, you know, like I had, I was drawing crowds until the police would shut me down or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a gray area of like what's, what's allowed out there. Right. But, but um, yeah, that that was that was like a turning point, you know. And by the time I came back to LA, I was just like on no sleep, and I got that email for the fucking record label audition, and I was like, "All right, I'm so exhausted, but fuck, I got like 12 hours or whatever it was to get like a little a little sample ready." I, I at that point uh, I was listening to Lupe Fiasco's uh, one of his last albums or whatever uh, on on Atlantic. Funny enough. And just by listening to it over and over in the car, I was like learning the music, you know? So I just picked a song and redid the beat, like replicated it. And uh, it was like featuring Trey songs, funny enough, also Atlantic. You'd, you'd think I planned this shit on purpose. You didn't I, know that these dudes nah. were worth Atlantic? Well, I knew that it was an Atlantic audition, but I didn't like put together like these are the artists and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I, and so but those were like the dudes at it. These were the at dudes. Point. I yeah. started playing the shit. Like this was like, this was the audition was funny. Cause like, they were like, yo, play this on guitar. Have you ever heard this Nicki Minaj song? No. Okay. Learn it now. And I'm like, okay. And then like shit like that, just putting me on the spot, like trying to like test me, which I was like, I love this shit. I was ready for this moment. And then, um, I played that fucking replicated beat and they were just like, how'd you know this is coming out next week? 
how did you know that? And I'm just like looking at him like, I don't, I'm not connected. I, I don't have that information. Like, <laughs> but funny enough, that Lupe featuring Trey songs yeah. single was coming out like in seven days and they were just like, that's fucking insane. It sounds just like it too. So, you know, it was a, it was a weird little situation, you know, coming out of darkness into that light. Well, sometimes that's how it, it seems to happen, right? A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're right around the corner. You're right. You're right there. And that, that's why, like when you said earlier, like no backup plan, mm. that's like the most important fucking thing is like, you never know how close you are, mm. you know? And if you're just, if you're not in the business of stopping, you're going to get there. Mm. Right. And when you have that, backup plan or other idea in your head you're just constantly reminded of that Mm -hmm. and thinking about maybe i could just do that you know as opposed to just having to move forward no matter what and that that is very true i uh i i still kind of feel that way too you know it's like yeah i'll have i'll have these you know negative thoughts believe it or not that'll come come to me frequently and i'll be like yeah, most likely in the morning. I'm not a good morning person, but really, that's I'll, funny. I'll shake it off, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I got all this shit to do, and just be like, why am I doing this? Oh man. But I get out of that funk, and I'm just like, I still don't think about like, yo, you could do this instead. Because no, no, my my thing is like, I'd rather try and fail than like, you know, abandon something because it just seemed hard or unrealistic, and then look back one day and be like fuck but i i had potential why didn't i just try yeah. it you know yeah. so but yeah it's um well i think that's true because i think you know and obviously uh wisdom and age will eventually kind of play this out but my guess is as a as a younger you know person in this world so far it's better to live a life of trying and maybe not getting exactly where you want it to be but continuing to try it and having those experiences and knowing that you, you know, pushed for what you wanted to do versus saying, ah, that's too risky and going the safe route. You know, I think at the end of the road, when you're at a later stage in your life, like, I mean, you would think that that this path of, of continuing to, to try and do your passion and, you know, what you love is more fulfilling regardless of, the financial success of it, you know, mm. whether you ever got that or didn't, mm-hmm. you know, or, or any other metric that we use to judge whether or not someone's life has been quote unquote successful, which is probably, you know, problematic to begin with. Mm. It's, it's not something that can be measured by one thing, whether it's money or anything else, you know, so. Right. There's different definitions, you know, even before I, I like fucking, got even close to doing any of the feats that I've achieved, right. you know, like I, I, I remember speaking to, you know, family members and being like, well, I, I feel like I'm already successful. And I'd be, they'd, they'd be looking at me like, you know, why? Yeah. But I'd be like, because I'm fucking happy doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, like I'm not there yet and I'm not like, I still want more shit or I want better things, but you know, uh, there's there's an art to living. There's an art to life, you know. And it's uh I think in America we're 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 so trained to just like work, 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 and then you'll be able to celebrate. But it's like what, you wanna celebrate when you're fucking old and like 
you know, like you can't do anything anymore now. <laughs> it's a lie that we're being sold in mm, America. I think that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, push it off and then you'll be able to celebrate. It's like, but when? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're always just like when? working, but you'll get there. You'll get there. Right. Yeah, but when? Yeah. No. Well, but the whole economic system mm. depends mm. on a majority of us falling in line mm-hmm. and working and being productive. Right. You know, right. so that the top group of people that own all of that economic productivity can continue to succeed. Right. And so it is, of course, pushed upon us to fall in line, Mm. but that isn't the path to like a fulfilling life. Like people that are in, you know, blue zones of Greece that just fish all day and drink wine and have dinner with their friends and just, you know, live off of the land are way happier yeah. than any of us sitting in a fucking office job five days a week. And and we got to do what we got to do, but let's just be real. Like, that's not the path to happiness. Right. I always think that there's got to be, like, a, a happiness meter. You know, like, how's your happiness meter? Like, what what's your score right. today? You know, right. it's, uh, if you're not, if you're not enjoying just, just fucking life, you know, as cliche as that sounds, just, you know, there's something you need to change, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm generally the person, like, I, I like to think I'm happy even when I'm not happy, you know, like mm-hmm. when I'm having a shitty day, I still try and think of like, you know, well, fuck man, like I got this going for me or just like, still enjoy, grateful. Yeah. yeah, it's still grateful. Practicing gratitude every day is so important. And, uh, not to bring it back to the pandemic shit, but like, especially after that year, yeah. I, it's that's reinforced even more so for myself. And yeah. I, th- I think for most people, really. Well, this was the first time I think that a lot of us had to be with our own thoughts and our own, mm. you know, just, just by ourselves mm. for some period of time. Challenging. Right? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the, you know, things that we all do, like, going out and having a drink or meeting someone here or doing this and this is like, you know, it's part of the distraction for us. You know, all these things that we fill our life up with. And then the pandemic happened. And for a period of time there, there was none of that. And so I I think a lot of people dealt with some really serious shit that they weren't addressing for the longest time. Mm Mm-hmm because our days were being filled up with not just our work, but then our social life and all this stuff. Yeah, poked holes in a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people come out on the other side of that now, and priorities have changed, mm-hmm. you know, perspective has changed. A lot of people went through loss in this pandemic, and, you know, just things things became more clear, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But gratitude, you know, I, I hear you, man, because not every situation is going to be a, 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 a positive situation. Like there's a lot of like fake positivity out there, mm. you know, and as artists, I feel like sometimes we're dark. Oh, yeah. You know, but that's that's OK. There can be, you know, some level of like positivity in, in the act of being kind of dark or mm-hmm. in, a, in a depressed state. Mm hmm. Because you can't have the happy moments without those right. moments. I write better shit lyrically than when I'm happy. Anyway, I need to. I need yeah. to. Sometimes I need to be in that dark place to. I don't know. It just makes me 
write more real shit right. i think yeah i know? think as artists we need to go through stuff like mm-hmm. there needs to be some level of like chaos yeah chaos you gotta you gotta feel that pain for right. sure right yeah. and i don't know where that that necessarily comes from from for a lot of artists and you know but i don't know it's just uh it's something that i've always noticed too like you know i'm writing my best music when i went through something you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um it's just more authentic mm. there's more of a reason for me to want to write something yeah the drive is higher for sure yeah yeah So when you auditioned for these guys, they were just like, you're the fucking dude. You're playing all this different stuff. You replicated this uh, Lupe song and you just got all the skills. We want to work with you and started putting you in sessions. Or like, did you feel like at that point you were like, okay, I I made it? Like, So let's say that like I've done a lot of those auditions and a few I got, you know, I played for Andy Grammer for a little bit. Um, I think I secretly got fired. I don't know what happened there. But yeah. They just didn't call me back. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, I knew what it felt like to not win or or, or advance. Yeah. Um, this one, I didn't feel that. I felt completely different. I was trying not to smile. <laughs> I was trying to be like, yo, just keep it chill. You got this. <laughs> just play it cool. Yeah. yeah. But I, I knew something was up. And then, uh, you know, the big dog was like, yo, here's my card. Looking forward to working with you. Are you available the next two nights or whatever? You know, something like that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I th- let me check my schedule. I'm quitting my job. And then, uh, yeah, I just uh, went into the the, the session. And uh, I think they paired me purposely with, like, uh, somebody who was hard to work with just to see yeah. how I react to that. <laughs> Cause I was like, yo, who's this fucking 19 year old bossing me around and shit? Who is this motherfucker? But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was like a couple sessions and then, then, you know, then the paperwork and, yep. and then the panic of like, yo, what is this? This is a fucked up deal, right? This doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Your music business training. <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. back to you. <laughs> So I thought, right. Then a lot of it, I'm like, I don't even understand this. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh yeah yeah so you know it's a long period of negotiating and then it's like what the fuck and then you're not in contact with those people and you're like oh, is it good this is yeah. weird you know? yeah right <laughs> but once you sign that thing then you're like okay let, let's go and then um yeah basically just i i think for me that shit was amazing too because again i felt like it was a new arena so all of a sudden i'm working i already knew what good songwriters were and good musicians and performers and whatever like and you're in los angeles you're seeing these people you're networking with these people so you're always kind of feeling that and you're you know you you learn how to control your ego and and you you run into other egos and all that stuff but this was different because i i felt like some of the songwriters were like making me feel like damn I, i like I'm not ready for this. Like I got in my own head a little bit. Um, well, cause now you're at a place where everybody is on mm, that level. Everybody's on that fucking level. And it's, uh, it's like literally like we're doing this every day. Sometimes people are doing double sessions, you know, like, and, and talk about different personalities, you know, <laughs> like I thought I saw it all. And then you got, you got people that just work so what I thought might have been strange at that point, but like then right. I then I learned, you know, I like 
what I would call a booth writer. It was like the first time I saw people that literally just go in the booth and they write line by line or sometimes like, you know, yeah, sentence by sentence. And it might be like a half idea. And then they just literally turn it into a fucking song by like some mode of freestyling. But then it's just like record. Okay, let me hear that back. Okay, let me redo it. Okay, record it. Record it. Okay, let me do it again. Let me face that word. Okay, all right. And it's like, whoa, that's such a weird, you know, I'm used to like, let's write this roundabout way. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just seeing all that was super inspiring and, um, yeah, just, just next level shit that I didn't know really existed as far as the process goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a perfect timing. Like I mentioned, you know, we're talking three and a half years. Um, so that still counts because you were on the third yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I we'll, we'll let it slide. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, from that point, uh, I don't want to start name dropping, but you know, like I got to work with fucking people that we all know. Yeah, you know, like yeah. just people that you're like, holy, f- all right. Like, am I getting nervous? What's going on? Like, is this person... Those first couple times that you worked with some of those bigger names, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was that just... Did you you have a little, like, imposter syndrome a little bit kind of I feeling still like, have why, imposter... why am I in this room right oh, now? Oh, yeah. I still have yeah. imposter syndrome, like, yeah. almost every day. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's just me, I, like, putting myself... Uh, keeping I myself think that in everybody check. does, though, man. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean... You know, I th- I think uh, one of one of the one of the most unique experiences. I, I mean, probably told this story on a couple of podcasts. With, was like when I went out to the Bahamas to to work with like CeeLo, mm. who I always thought was like this incredible, crazy mind. You know, like um, I didn't know all his catalog, but I, I knew a lot of his shit. And I knew he was fucking amazing. Um, so I got to I got to work with him out on this fucking beach. You know, like. We're right off the ocean, like literally Dope. feet. And then, um, you know, next thing you know, we got like British A&R dude telling me like, well, you know, Pharrell's coming in. So um, we're going to have to push you to this room over here. Sorry, there's no monitors. I'm like, I, I, I don't have monitors. What? <laughs> because Pharrell's coming? I'm like, Is this, this sounds amazing. Pharrell's yeah, coming. Wait, He's like, wait, yeah. What? He's all like, oh, we're so sorry about that. I'm like, I don't know. Like. That does suck because I was I was hoping to like work but not in can I meet Pharrell? But yeah, yeah. am I gonna be hanging with Pharrell? Okay, and then and then next thing you know, it's like we're I didn't realize we're on fucking uh, well, it's not his island, but we're on Lenny Kravitz's island. You know, like okay, <laughs> he doesn't own the island, but he lives but he, there. Yeah, one of his many houses, and um, and then so he came by, and and that was fucking chill. That's pretty cool. I feel like that dude is like one of the top. You know, that's like an old style of celebrity that doesn't exist anymore right so you meet someone like that it's like a mythical creature he's the nicest dude too oh i bet have you seen his architectural digest video of his house in uh brazil brazil yeah i saw he rolls in on a fucking horse (laughs) welcome to my house come on in ad yeah you know like what the fuck dude? yeah yeah that's him I, I was pissed too because he had a barbecue and I had to leave. My my, my oh. flight leaving was that day. I was like, "This is bullshit." Yeah, you guys are jerking me around. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing with my heart here. <laughs> I might as well tell the story though. Um, it's a classic story. Yeah, and there's like I didn't realize there was like a like a rumor about me, like in like I guess you would say the Atlantic 
Warner click or yeah, whatever yeah. for a little bit that I was totally unaware of. But <clears throat> wait, this is crazy. This is funny. I used to run in that Atlantic Warner click. So I'm That's wondering right. if I heard that. I heard this. No, you would know, but but you're about to hear it now. So I uh, I met Lenny that one day. Uh, he was super chill. He actually came up to me and was like, "I didn't get your name." You know, he was like super polite and uh, personable. So. We had like, you know, the one minute conversation and talked about whatever. And I told him like, you know, I'm trying not to be fanboy, but I was like, yo, always been loving your shit, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I think eventually that day, somebody came up to me and was like, yo, we don't have any guitars here. Can, can Lenny play your guitar? Can he use your guitar? And apparently I said, no, (laughs) 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 I don't. I don't have any recollection of this at all. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have said no. Like, there's no reason. I'm big fan of that motherfucker. So, <laughs> I mean, so, beyond being a fan, like, you know. You don't have any memory of even being asked to use nah, the guitar? No, I don't remember anybody asking me that shit. Like, so, so what do you think happened? I think my my theory is that, like, it was, uh, it must have been a low talker. Uh, uh, you know, the guy that's just like, uh, Jeff Rowe, please just... <laughs> I, I, I must have thought he was like are you hungry do you want do you want to have fish because <laughs> we were eating a lot of fish down there and i was like no we've had fish every night i'm fucking done with this he's like well, gee, all right man i'll tell lenny dude Fuck. yeah i mean like come on man like it's it's like why, why would anybody say no i almost like, feel like it's kind of a situation where it's like why did they even ask right well I mean, I guess they're being polite because I was the only guy with a guitar and they were fucking with me all But if Lenny all Kravitz <laughs> wants to play your guitar, right? I don't care if you're a songwriter mm. or you're fucking... Oh, there's people that aren't even close to that level, let alone... I don't care if you're Keith Richards. <laughs> you're, you want Lenny Kravitz to fucking play your guitar. There's, there's people that have come over to my apartment and just like didn't ask and went into like my bedroom and grabbed my guitar. I'm like, what are you... Yeah, right. It's too late, you know. I don't want to fuck up the vibe because I'm the guy that said no again. Right. But anyway, so a couple years later, I ran into uh, CeeLo's engineer. um, Shouts to Sean, and uh, so he's like, sees me from the hallway in that like that Coanga building, as you remember. So it's like one of those dramatic. Very, that's a thin hallway right oh, it's, there too. It's, it was a great hallway for rubbing elbows you run yeah. into people all the time that's true actually that, that uh, honestly that was probably by design mm. oh for sure for everything sure. in that building was by design man like we'll, the, we'll come back to this building because there's a lot of history in that building yeah. isn't there uh, but yeah he sees me and he's like there he is mr i'm too good you know that type of thing yeah and i'm just like shut up what are you talking about you know like and at this point you didn't know no i didn't know i i I just thought he was like talking shit about something i was like i don't get the joke but right good to see you how are you doing you know oh you're in with CeeLo. that's great and then like you know i i think eventually i went into the room later on because i heard CeeLo screaming his ass off like you know as he does and i'm like yo i gotta hear this song that he's working on i go in there and so somehow we started talking about it again and he's like yo that shit was wild though i was like all right, so you're being for real, so I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you got to explain this to me. And he's like, yeah, you said no. And, like, we were all like, he said no? Like, everybody was talking about it. And I was like, yo, that ex- that explains a lot. Because, like, I felt like <laughs> I, at first they're telling me I don't got monitors to work on. Then they're, like, moving me to a hotel. I was like, yo, I must have done something. I don't even know what I done did. 
but it was so like that was the whole monitor thing no i think that was i think it was just like eventually it was the know. last straw yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. lenny came at the end of this right thing. and then uh so i just decided at that point i was like i'm just gonna run with that shit you know anybody else fine lenny fucking kravitz nice dude no no fucking way he's not playing my epiphone 500 hundred dollar guitar <laughs> brand new strings come on <laughs> shit man that's a good one dude it's uh you know hopefully i'll i'll run into him again and i can yeah hopefully there'll there'll <laughs> be a, a resolution to that story where you can tell him you probably don't remember being down here on this island but his island yeah his island remember that one time I didn't attend your barbecue. I flew out because I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, we were missing you that night, dude. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a pretty good one, man. I mean, but I, I imagine your, you know, 16-year-old self in Cleveland would look at, you know, all of the things that you've done in your career so far uh, and just be like, I made it. This is this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, and this is fucking awesome. And that's what's so funny. I think you said it a, a couple minutes ago about how, like, you know, you know, all this stuff is all relative. Mm. Once we get to that level of ascension that, like, we wanted, there's another level of, mm. uh, you know, 10 steps ahead that we yeah. want to go to. And then there's another one beyond that. I don't care if you're fucking, you know. Jeff Bezos, you still are mm, pushing for something, right? True. Why is he still working? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's a it's a good thing to um, uh, not want to be too comfortable. <clears throat> you know, you, mm -hmm. you it's it's hard to explain, but you know, I feel like we all want something more and more. We want to achieve something. Yeah. It's great. You know, it's it's a it's a blessing to look like you said the sixteen year old. Uh, I feel blessed every day, you know, looking back at this and, um, you know, my worst days are somebody else's dream, you know, right. And like in the studio session where I'm like, damn, we didn't do anything, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, just, just, uh, still have that, that hunger again, very hard to explain, but, um, it's, it's great to still want something and be like, no, I still haven't. I'm here, but I'm not there. And what is that? What is there? You know. Well, it's it's really really cool, man, and 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 something that I really resonate with because I feel like on the one hand you're this kind of you know spiritual dude who cares about being present and cares about you know the art and creativity of what you do, and you put your soul and your feel into your music, just the way that you carry yourself. Like you seem like you know you're very confident in who you are and now hearing this whole story it seems that that was built over years and years of experience and leaving cleveland and you know having all those experiences in boston and all the hard work it took to finally get to that chance where people finally saw that you were at that level and all the moments in between there that built that character that you have hmm. and you know, you you got all this kind of positive energy, but then on the other side of that too, the drive, kind of the more kind of capitalist side of, you know, wanting more, mm -hmm. wanting to grow, not being comfortable with where you're at. And that's a nice balance that I think is like, you know, just a, a good takeaway, I feel like for me, listening to this conversation, anyone else listening, it's like, 
you know, because it's not, it's not necessarily too much of, of one thing. And that is how, if you're just too focused on just like, I need more, I need more, you, you never achieve the, the level of like happiness because you're just trying to fulfill, you know, you're trying yeah. to achieve something that's not doable. And it's kind of like an ego driven thing, right? But if you have that balance of wanting that, but also being happy where you are regardless, you can at least kind of feel good still on a day to day as you're, as you're kind of chasing that dream. Sure. And you know, I think right when I moved, uh, or was about to move to LA, like I kind of had this little pep talk with myself. I was just like, I think I still remember it, you know, like I don't think about this all the time consciously, but I was like just trying to tell myself like, you know, if, if shit doesn't go the way you were hoping, just you're good, be happy, you know, you've had a good life, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in whatever way, you know, that makes sense. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not one to like try and compare and be like, well, at least I'm not that guy, you know? Yeah. Don't got a shitty life like that person, but no, it's it's just a matter of, um, yeah, bringing it back to the gratitude thing, you know, just 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 even having the opportunity to to try is so much better than not doing it because you're afraid of the rejection or whatever. Right. Yeah. Where do you think that energy kind of comes from for you? Is it do you think it's from the fact that you grew up in a city where? You didn't see a lot of the stuff that you wanted to mm. do in your life. I feel like Cleveland uh, is sort of like always been like an underdog city. Yeah, you know, with with a butt of many jokes. Um, um, yeah, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I felt like even though I had a lot of friends and I had many different friends, you know, it was like friends with the the smart kids, the you know, the, the jocks, the, the thugs, the, you know, a little bit, everybody, you know, I just love people. And I was always funny, you know, I guess, but I also felt like these feelings of like, I didn't fit in at the same time. I'm like, I don't know who my tribe is, mm. you know? Um, so that in a sense probably led me to music. Cause it was like my own way even before i understood what was happening of of expressing myself and uh you know um especially as a writer when you start bringing these thoughts into tangible or you know just little 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 yeah. rhythms and whatnot that become songs um that was my way of just self-discovery and 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 figuring out what what my purpose is you know but it definitely definitely had its uh it's flavor coming from the Midwest, you know, there was something to that, you know, it's like blue collar city. Um, you work your ass off, you earn it, you know? Yeah. That type of mentality. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool to see, man. And it's been really cool getting to know you over the last, you know, almost 10 years now. Um, seeing you go through your career and all the, success that you've had so far and uh yeah it's just it's just been fun to watch from from my point of view as another artist and creative too because i remember you know our our first sessions on my first album and i mean man i mean it was you know 
we we made a lot of magic for sure yeah dude and i gotta say the same thing about you you know it's been excellent watching you just rise and rise and rise and you have this amazing capacity to do so many different things and pump it out you know like i'm like i look at it like i'm watching you i'm just like oh man like I sleep too much. <laughs> Does this dude even like sleep? Like what? Another project coming out? Yeah. But it's uh, it's mad impressive. Always love your music. Always love fucking working with you too. Yeah. And like, no, I mean, thank you, man. From the jump, you know, we've we've had uh, great chemistry. You know. Yeah. Well, like, that's what it always was. I feel like it just clicked. You mm-hmm. know, and I don't know if that's maybe maybe it was the Boston thing or something like there was some connection there. Yeah. That the and you know, I I just remember being you know not even that descriptive but just saying like you know i'm kind of going for this kind of vibe i want to make some music that feels like this and you i just like the first you played that fucking f sharp 11 fucking you know key or whatever crazy thing and you know i was just like man this this kid he gets it He, he understands the sound that i'm trying to do just by me describing to him kind of what it what it feels like without speaking in technical terms about keys or mm. chords or anything like that and you know i mean it sounds like that's kind of why you were in that position to begin with because mm. that's what you're able to do mm. is to like translate the untranslatable mm. into music right you know and on the spot which is an incredible gift man and i wish there was a way for people who are listening to this to to see you know that talent in person like i have in the studio i mean they can listen to your music you know we'll 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 definitely link that and everything like that too but the 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 raw talent in the studio man it's just it's just on another level i think the studio is um such a special place too uh whenever we would be creating shit because it's 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 almost like we're putting on a show Right, you know, and a, a lot of times, like you, like you said, you know, there's not really we didn't we didn't really have a camera crew there when we we're doing it. In right. fact, we were probably like, get them out of here. Yeah, like, this is we need to focus. But it's a it is a like a performance in itself. Um, you know, making the beat, whatever, or <clears throat> or that one time where I don't know if you remember this, but I, I'm pretty sure I layered like fucking thirty saxophone tracks. Yeah, and we're like, yo. I think we got it. <laughs> it sounds full. Yeah, I think maybe one more. I was like, no, I need two more takes. <laughs> that, that last one was a little. Uh, and then and then you would just get in the booth and then like, you know, make a story. And next thing you know, we're like, dude, we just wrote that. Yeah. Like we did that. Right. Talk about imposter syndrome. It's yeah. Like, right. You know, like. Right. How did that happen? How did we? How did that? How was that born? You know. Yeah. It's a. Uh, for us watching it and and doing it you know very special moment totally for sure totally yeah and i mean for people interested i mean you know we're talking about all the lamp city album Mm. you know i mean all the background vocals on that album you did a lot of background vocals on that album too all the instrumentation stories from the green line stories from the green line we had a, a song together on the on the hook um and yeah, man, I mean, we're talking about classic songs, dude. I mean, really some of my favorite stuff that, yeah. that I've made in my career, uh, I've been able to, to, to write with you. And that's the beauty of music, man. It, the collaboration aspect is, you were saying earlier, you know, it's, there's just something special there that, that can't really be replicated in any other 
creative form right you know? so now it's it's been a a fun journey so far and i feel like just the end of you know the first chapter mm. you know it's like not even like I, that's why i'm so excited doing this podcast and mm. all this stuff man it's like i just feel so excited coming out of this crazy year mm-hmm. that it's been that there's just so much life you know to be lived and you know music and all this different stuff to to be made man and it's a good time man it is a good time it's uh and again bringing it back to uh you know after that storm you right know. exactly exactly i think people are are ready to you know live yeah and take risks again yeah take risks is very important right yeah yeah we've de- we've de-risked yeah <laughs> for a while and rightfully a, so quite a bit and yeah exactly but now it's time to open it up right yeah hell yeah man yeah man this has been a great convo dude this has been a fucking awesome time man fuck yeah i enjoyed it yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely do it again excited to get back in the studio again yes you know but my guy jeffro man i appreciate you coming on dude appreciate you just keeping it real with me man my going pleasure. down memory lane i feel like we've got stories for days man you know yeah. lenny kravitz stories <laughs> anything else yeah we got more i'm sure that we haven't even touched up on, exactly but, you know we'll, we'll come back to it we'll get another time. single malt going yeah. <laughs> next time i'm bringing the rise yeah so. there you go yeah, 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 there yeah, you go man for sure yeah thank man. you thank you so much cam appreciate it dude thank you bro it's the cam Eakin show we out of here peace <laughs>